Good morning. It's great to see you guys this morning. If you were here last week, you saw that video. In fact, Kurt used it in his, his sermon this past week, and I wanted to use it this week to try and help people understand who mattered most to Jesus. But before I go into that, let me explain a little bit about this sermon series that we're in. We're going to go with this sermon series all the way until Easter, and it's called The Signature of Jesus, and we're working through the book of Mark. In fact, last week, everybody was encouraged by Pastor Kurt to take their Bible and to sit down on a toilet and then to read the entire book or the the chapter of Mark chapter 3. How many of you did that and had your legs fall asleep? (laughs) I did. I really did. My legs fell asleep. But that's That's what we asked you guys to do last week, and we're asking you to do that again, not necessarily sit on the toilet part, but grab your Bible and read it and go through the book of Mark, and as you read it, be praying about, hey, God, what are you saying to me? And then we're going to get together on Sundays, and then we're going to talk about it, and I'm going to talk today about Mark chapter 3, and particularly about who mattered most to Jesus. Now, our highest goal is not to get you just to read the Bible. Our highest goal is really to get you to fall in love with the real Jesus, just as Kurt just said. And a, a lot of us have. I believe that there are a lot of us who are in this room who really have fallen in love with Jesus, and I suppose that there are some in this room who haven't, and, and that's okay. So I want to do is I want to talk about how I became a follower, and I want to talk about it in terms of what I moved from to what I became. I became a follower, but what I was before I was a follower was a fan I was a fan of Jesus, not necessarily a follower of Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of you know that I am a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, just like some of you are fans of either the Seattle Seahawks or maybe some other team. I'm a Seattle Mariner fan. And what does that mean? Here's what that means. What it means is I know a lot about maybe some of the players or the coaches. I know their stats. I know how well they stack up against uh, maybe some of the, the other teams that they're going up against. But not just that. I'm familiar with them as a franchise. I know a lot of their history. I know a lot of stuff about them. But here is a fact. I have never, ever had a relationship with a player or a coach past or present. But I'm a fan. I'm, what does that mean? I'm fanatical. It means I do exactly what a lot of you people do. We, we go and we, we spend money on gear and we watch uh, stuff on TV. We might even go to a game or two. And the craziest thing about it is how can you explain why you agonize over it? How do you, how do you go about explaining why it is that you get so much joy or elation whenever they win? I have a hard time explaining all of that, but nonetheless, I'm a fan. And anybody who's a fan understands that when you're a fan, you're a fan. You can't stop being a fan of your team, even though many of you are probably like me. You don't have a relationship with anything, and you really can't have a real one when you're a fan. Well, I'm a fan. Now, the fans mean something? Of course they do. Anybody who's a Seattle Seahawks fan knows that the 12th man means something. All the players will tell you that the fans mean something. The same is true of Jesus. In fact, Jesus loved the fans. He adored the fans. And there's something true about Jesus that's true with professional sports. It's this. It's that the fans, it, it could be said that, that 
all the work, all the things that are being done are in part being done for the fans. All the work that's being done by the real players, when they get done with all the practice and they get done with all the sacrifice and they get done with the game, there is a certain part of everything that they did to prepare for that that was for that fan. And while that's true, it's also true that every player knows that the fans, they're the most fickle. They're the most double-minded. They're the most quick to criticize and condemn. And every single one of you are probably just as guilty of me of thinking at some point in time that you knew how to run that franchise better than what the ownership and the coaches did. Am I wrong? That's the way we get sometimes as a fan. We think that we're really a part of all of that, but really we don't have any part of it at all. Not a big part. That's the way it is sometimes with Jesus. Now, does Jesus love the fans? Yes, and I want everybody here that if you are a fan of Jesus, Jesus loves you, but you need to hear me on this, that you're not the one that matters most to Jesus if you're a fan. It's the followers. It's the followers who matter most to Jesus. Now, either way you love, but I want you to know today, I want to at least try to help you to know today whether or not you're a fan or a follower. So, at the beginning of that video, there was a definition that was provided for follow. I don't know if you remember or not, so I'm gonna help you remember it by showing to you what those two definitions were. The first one is this, follow, a verb, to move behind in the same direction. Now, with this definition alone, any one of us could be considered a follower. I mean, all you have to do is just get behind somebody in a line, you know, or the freeway or the coffee shop or the supermarket or the bank or whatever. With that simple definition, number one, you can be a follower. Let me give you an example. When it comes to getting on the freeway, I am typically not a follower. I'm a leader. Okay? Uh, what does that mean? It means I like to go fast, uh, not super fast, unsafe fast. But you know, every once in a while, it's okay to bump it up to like six, seven, eight, nine. And if there's some dude who passes me on the freeway, I'm cool with that. Here's why. I'll hang back just a little bit, match the speed on the cruise control, and just hang out and wait. And you know why? It's because if there's a state trooper up ahead, that dude's gonna get caught, not me. Right? Now, is he my follower? No. Or excuse me, is he my leader? No. Am I really his follower? Well, if you go by definition number one, I'm moving behind and getting in the same direction, but he's really not my leader. Now, am I a fan of that dude? Are you kidding me? I think that guy's great. And until he turns off or something like that, and then I gotta find a new person to follow, but <laughs> he's not my leader. He's not my leader. And Jesus doesn't want our definition to be just that. He wants it to include the second part of it, which was shown as well. So let me show you what that is. It's to accept as our leader or guide. To accept as leader or guide. Now, not the only difference, but one difference between being a fan and a follower is embracing both definitions here. It's embracing both definitions, not only moving behind Jesus and going in the direction that he would lead you or me, but also accepting him as being that leader and accepting him as being that guide. Now, Mark writes in this book and mentions some things about Jesus as a leader. And the, the bulk of this conversation that I'm having with you today or those who are online watching it is this. I want to give you three, three reasons why I, 
why I was willing to become a follower of Jesus as opposed to just being a fan. Now, there are a lot of reasons, and I'm only going to mention three today. You may have reasons of your own, but I believe that these three reasons will also be your three reasons if you are a follower or you're ever going to be a follower. Now, I think I'm like you. I think that you and I are exactly alike when it comes to this, and I'll explain why. I believe that you and I will only give permission to somebody to lead us if we trust them. So, without any further ado, there's the first, uh, for those of you who are note takers, there's your first note taking line. Here it is. The first reason why I have been willing to follow Jesus is because I trust him. Now, all the experts who have studied leadership agree on this. In fact, the other day I, I, I met a fella, uh, he's one of my kids' classmates' father. He happens to be a professor at Gonzaga University, and what does he teach? Leadership. He teaches leadership. And so at the highest academic level, here's what every single leadership teacher teaches, and that is the number one expectation of every follower of their leader is that they be trustworthy. That's what we want. And I don't think that the, the differences between then and Jesus' day are now are really all that much in that we really do, we really do have a, a mechanism or a way of finding out whether or not a person is trustworthy. I mean, here are the things that we look for. We, we kind of measure it in things like, um, are they an honest person? Do they, do they mean what they say? Are they a person of integrity? I mean, are they doing the same thing when nobody's looking that they're doing when everybody is looking? I mean, there are some other things, too, in terms of... Uh, of leadership. Are they deceitful people? Do they lie in order to get ahead? Or are they susceptible to corruption of power and money? It's things like that. Beyond that, things like, are they the kind of individual that really does believe in something that we believe in? Or in other words, are they heroic? And I don't know about all you women. In fact, most guys really don't know too much about women. But we, we'd like to think that we know a lot about one another. And I think that this is a true thing about most guys. And that is, is that we all want to be heroic. And that we're attracted and we're drawn to men who are heroic. And I think that women are too. And what, what do I mean by heroic? I, I, you know, we, we don't watch movies. We don't read books. We don't see anything to where as a guy, we're wanting to know whether or not we have what it takes to be heroic. And so when we spot another people, we're attracted to that. And I think our leaders need to be heroic. And I want to show you a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 1, that is just stupid cool to me. Because of how heroic Jesus was. I'm going to read it. You guys can read along with me if you want to. It'll be on the screen or you can just listen. It's up to you. Mark chapter 1, or excuse me, Mark chapter 3 verse 1. It says this. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the, said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod, who was king there, to plot how to kill Jesus. See, folks, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing and what it would cost him. 
This is one of those situations where it clearly says that Jesus kind of knew what their plans were and he sees the dude and then calls him out and stands him right there in front of everybody. And then heals the guy knowing full well that it would lead to these guys plotting how to go about killing him. Now, why is that significant that Jesus would do that? See, every word, every person at that time, I believe, had an expectation of the kind of leadership that they would expect from a guy like Jesus. Because all the leaders of that day and age were pretty much the same. All the leaders of that day and age were bent on living. That's what leaders do, right? They figure out a way for them to be able to live and live well. It's pretty much like just like our leaders in this day and age. They, they set themselves up in ways to be able to protect their life and continue to sustain their leadership. How do they do that? Well, a lot of the ways they do is they'll come in and they will expect allegiance from a particular people. And, and how they do that is they will collect taxes from them and then they will force rule on them, sometimes by penalty of death. Why do they do that? It's because that's what leaders do. That's what leaders did at that time. In fact, Two weeks ago, Pastor Jeff talked about how the Jews expected Jesus to do this kind of thing, to be this kind of leader, to come in and militaristically annihilate all the rest of the leaders, and then by use of force or terror, keep control, keep reign. And then he was going to invite and put all these apostle dudes in the middle of these positions of authority, and that's what all of them were expecting him to do. All the Jews expected him to do the same thing. Jesus was going to be that kind of leader, but that is not the kind of leader that Jesus wanted to be. Was he trustworthy? Of course he was. Was he willing to die for a cause? Of course he was. He was that kind of leader, but Jesus was not assembling a group of impressional pawns just so he could strap swords on them or bombs on them to unleash them on the masses to convert or kill. That's not the leader Jesus was. Even though they all expected him to be that, Jesus said, that's not the kind of leader I am. I want followers whose souls are shriveled and know they need, they need to be whole again. I need followers who are willing to give up their lives to save lives, not to take them. See, Jesus was a different leader. He had all the stuff that a leader needs in order for me or you or anybody else to trust him, he does. That's the first reason why I was willing to follow Jesus. I trust him. Jesus cared enough about these guys that he said to them, guys, if you will give up your life, if you will surrender over your life for me, I can give it back to you. And to prove to you that I am telling the truth, I'm going to die, and then three days later, I'm going to raise from the dead. And guess what? He did it, and ever since, the world's been talking about it. This isn't fiction. This is real. Jesus is real, and this stuff really happened. He really had these conversations, and there were people then who looked at that and said, oh, <laughs> that's a different kind of leader, and I trust him, and I'm one of them. This day and age, who looks at him and says, I can trust him. Here's the second reason for you note takers. The second reason why I've been willing to follow Jesus is because he has always been willing to invest into me. That's a big deal to me. That's a huge deal to me. If I'm gonna follow a leader, I wanna make sure that that leader is willing to invest into me. Now let me explain what I mean by that. It's no secret 
that the crowds, the fans, were all around Jesus. They constantly spent a ton of time around him. We're told that many, many, many people saw Jesus. And, and for me, I've been there. I've been in that area where Jesus was at in Jerusalem, Galilee, and everything. And I've always wondered to myself, how did the people know where Jesus was at so they could follow him? It wasn't like they were getting out their cell phones and going, OMG, Jesus is over here. And they're connecting with it and sending emails and everybody's social media savvy and they're rallying around. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened, but I know this, that it was such a big deal and everything was happening. It was so cool that people started following him. They, they, they wanted something from him. They were there to get something from him all the time. But that's not the only people that were around him. There were some who were actually there to help. They wanted to be a part of what he was doing. And Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 10, and then 13 through 15, talks about this. I want to read this to you again. You can read along with me, or you can just listen. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples, and a large crowd followed him. They came from all over, Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Edomiah, from east of the Jordan River, and even from as far north as Tyre and Sidon. The news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. He had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain, called out the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Mark shows in this passage how Jesus not only loved the crowds, but that he noticed that there were some who were a part of the crowd who were actually more willing to be there for more than just to get something. See, I believe that Jesus sees every single one of us and knows exactly our hearts. And a lot of people like me, perhaps, have wondered, well, I wonder why Jesus chose those guys as opposed to these guys, that maybe he was picking favorites. Let me say to you that the reverse of that is absolutely true, that Jesus saw who was willing to be ready to be invested into, as opposed to those who were really not ready to be invested into. And Jesus sees that, and he knows that. And so he saw that there were some who were there who were saying, hey, man, I'll grab a boat, and I'll get it ready for you, or I'll put it out in the water, and I'll do some crowd control so that we can make sure that everybody gets taken care of. I'm willing to help. And Jesus sees that, and what Mark says here is that not only did Jesus see that, but then he said, well, hey, I'll do this with you. I'm going to invite you up the hill. I'm going to take you and move you into a place and position where I can invest in you because I can see that you're willing. Now, is that significant in and of itself? No. All kinds of rabbis and teachers at that day and age would invite people to be a part of their crowd, to follow them, hang out with them, teach them, invest into them. In fact, then and now, that's something that great leaders do. You'd find a lot of people in this day and age who are great leaders who are mentoring other people, for instance. Not a big deal to select people to follow you. The difference, though, is this. Our leaders today, and most of the rabbis back then, if not all of them, always chose top-of-the-shelf kind of guys. People who were studs, did great on their SAT tests or their Torah tests. Got the Old Testament stuff just right. Jesus didn't do that, though. Jesus chose idiots, scumbags, fishermen. I mean, Kurt last week talked about how he invited a guy named Matthew or Levi, a tax collector. It's basically what he said was it's, it's like the equivalent if, if Kurt wanted to start up a discipleship group and so he invited the owner of Deja Vu Strip Club to come and be a part of it. That's the equivalent of what it must have been like to have Matthew, that scumbag, be a part of a team. 
But Jesus would do that. That's the reason why I love Jesus. That's the reason why I'm willing to follow him. It's because Jesus, he looks for those people who they don't have sparkling resumes. They don't have credentials to bring that says, hey, I belong here. They don't have high scores. In fact, a lot of us as followers, we have a past that we believe kind of disqualifies us from even being a part of the team. But Jesus says, hey, are you willing? Because if you're willing, oh, I'll invest. I'll invest into you. And he did that. He invested into these guys. He allowed them to come and be a part of that. And I always have looked at that and thought to myself, why? Why would Jesus invite me up the hill? Why did he say to me, Matt, I'll I'll invest into you. I'll do that. Why would he do that? Well, that brings me to the third reason why I've been willing to follow Jesus. The third reason why I've been willing to follow Jesus is because he sees me as more than just a means to an end. Jesus has always seen me or followers as more than just a means to an end. Again, if you read chapter of, third chapter of Mark this week, you see at the end of that, there's this really cool story. Apparently what happens is, is this, is that Jesus and his disciples, they're all at this house and they're involved in the ministry and it's super busy and it's really awesome and they just keep going and they keep working and they keep going and they keep working. Well, apparently this is a problem because they didn't stop to eat And so some people are like, hey, whoa. And they tell his family about it. And the response of his family, if you read it, is, dude's whacked. That's all I can tell you. Jesus is weird, man. Sorry. In fact, they're like, "Um, you should tell him to come out and talk to us. And so I I looked at that story, and I'm like, you know, I really see two perspectives here. There's the perspective of Jesus' family, for instance, his younger brothers and sister, whatever. And you know what they're thinking? Ugh. My big brother is whacked. He's crazy. He's a freak. The dude thinks he's the Messiah. Now he's surrounded himself with a bunch of other idiots and they're all fanning the flames and making him feel really super cool and important. He's just, oh, this is so embarrassing. That's one perspective. Then there's the perspective of the dudes who are actually hanging out with Jesus. And I want you to see something here. At the end of Mark chapter three, it's in verse 32. This is, this is what was said. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? And he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does the will or does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What did they hear? They just heard those guys working with Jesus. I'm family. I'm family. I am not just a means to an end. I'm not just an employee. I am not just somebody who God, who has resourced me to help him reach his goal. I am the goal. You are the goal. We are the goal. When you finally get to a place, and I pray that everybody does, where you know that you can trust in Jesus, you can see that he is willing to invest in you, and the reason why he is willing to invest into you is because he sees you as being a child of his father just like he is, and he loves you like a child. Changes things. Changes things.
I am his goal. And we can be certain, every single one of us, that he sees us as followers, but as his children. And God's biggest desire has always been to lavish his love onto us just like he has done onto Jesus. That's his desire. As I stated before, our highest goal here is that people would fall madly in love with the real Jesus and they could see him for who he is. They could see him that he is a trustworthy leader, a person that we can accept and move behind and go in the direction that he leads as our leader, as our guide, because we trust him, because he's willing to invest into us, because he sees us as being family. But for that to happen, guys, there's something that has to take place. We have to move beyond being a fan to being a follower, which means we have to move behind the things that we would cling to. These ceremonies of religion, these rituals that we go through that sometimes make us feel better about being a fan, but they really still don't enable us to have a relationship with the one true God and embrace him by allowing his Holy Spirit to empower us from within. In other words, you can come to a church service. You can go 52 weeks out of the year if you want to. You can sit through the three songs at the beginning of it. You can sit through a prayer. You can even give an offering. You can even cry if you want to. But the fact of the matter is, is that any fan can do that. But a follower. A follower doesn't do just this. A follower moves from this place. And they follow the leader, they follow the guide, no matter where they go, and they are always watching and listening for what their leader would have them to do in every circumstance, regardless of what it cost them, because they have become heroic like their leader. And that's different than being a fan. And that means the ceremonies change, the religious rituals change, and now everything, everything becomes about Jesus. Everything changes. And Jesus wants to live that way. He called it a new kingdom. A kingdom where he invited people to see God as being supreme over all things. But what required them, what was required of them in order to enter this kingdom was to give up their own design of an empire. To give up their own will and their own dynasty and to say, I would rather be the child of the king and receive his inheritance than try to build my own. That's what he wants. That's what he wants from you. That's what he wants from me. Are you willing? Are you willing for that? Now, some of you are saying, yeah, I'm willing, I'm ready. I've, I've been willing, I've been ready. I've been a believer, I've been a follower. Others, that's not so easy and here's why. You maybe have tried it before. You've seen other people try it before and they crash and they burn and the, the fact of the matter is, is you, you already know, here's the cold hard facts, you suck as a follower. Yeah, you do, a lot of us do. But let me give you some encouragement with this, okay? God already knows that. There's no shock value anymore. He's already seen all the stupid stuff you've ever done in your life or will ever do. He's not surprised by it, and quite frankly, he's already taken care of it. He's already taken care of that. We're told that we're spotless and blameless if we stand before him without a single fault. But a lot of us still say, man, I don't think I can keep pace. I don't. Well, guess what? Jesus is so good of a leader, you don't have to worry about keeping pace. He knows how to go at yours. All you gotta do is just be willing. That's it. Let me pray for you. Father, oh, I'm so thankful 
that you have been patient with me. I'm so grateful that you loved me when all I was was just a fan, just a part of the crowd, clapping and cheering, talking about how awesome and cool the team was. But I didn't have a relationship with you. I didn't know you. I wanted you to behave, and I wanted you to be a certain thing to me that made my kingdom and made my dynasty. I'm so sorry. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for putting up with me as I've been a sucky follower for so many years and still struggle with it to this day. Thank you for taking care of that whole sin issue. Thank you for letting me struggle with my beliefs. Thank you for letting me struggle with my doubts. Thank you for letting all of us wrestle and trip and fall, even turn around and jump off path. Thank you for being so loving and so good of a leader that you can compensate for terrible followers. Lord, I love you. I love you. Lord, I know that there are some today who are like me and they just love you. And we would all like to say thank you. Thank you for letting us follow you even when we're not good at it. But I believe, Lord, that there are some here today who are saying right now, I'm willing. I'm willing. I want to follow. Hi, I'm ready. I'm tired of being my own leader. If that's you, I'm going to offer up a simple prayer. You can make it your own or you can change the words. You can do it right now without even waiting for me. But I'm going to offer this up so that you have just a guide or a model with which to follow. Simply this. God, I don't know everything that there is to know. I'm close. But I know that I am willing to follow you if you are willing to lead me. And I pray that you would go at a pace that I would be able to follow because <laughs> I'm afraid. I, I, I'm, I'm not confident in this. But will you please be my leader? I accept you because you are trustworthy. I accept you because I want you to invest into me. And I accept you because I am longing to be in a family that matters. So will you love me? Will you let me? And if that's your prayer, maybe even right now as you are mouthing those words to yourself, you're feeling something. You're feeling this weird feeling of God moving into your soul and into your life, and it is changing you right now. There might be tears, there might be anxiousness, there might even be fear that is going on in your world right now. That's all cool. That's all God. Don't give up on that. Father, I love you. I'm, I'm grateful to this day. I'm, I'm grateful that... I got a chance to be a part of this. And I pray that today there's not a soul that walks away from this who isn't thinking, oh, man, that Jesus, I want to follow that guy. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to sing a song, but really what it is, it's praying a prayer to a tune, praying a prayer to some music. You get the chance to do that. You don't have to, but I'm going to invite you to, to, to do this. Pray this prayer along with us and, and, and sing. At the same time, we're actually gonna worship in another way too, and that's by taking a, a gift or an offering from those of you who call this church your home. If you're a visitor with us today, we're glad that you're here. We'd love to be able to get that communication card from you. For those of you who call this church your home, you know the only reason why we exist is because you support us. So we, we're grateful for that. Pray that you would do so. After this, this, this song, this prayer, I'm gonna come back up and say a few more words of blessing over you and I'll dismiss this. But for right now, let's worship. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. A couple of things before you go. If you made that prayer your prayer today, I wanna to invite you to do two things. One, stop by at one of the tables that are by the doors on your way up and grab this new believer packet. Take it with you, open it up. There's a book inside of you and some other stuff. Also, 
if you've, if you've decided today, picked up one of these, or to commit your life to Christ, and you know that you need to get baptized, instead of just walking out of here and thinking about it, just do the right thing and follow. Go back to that light. Go to the head to the light. <laughs> Talk to them back there and get signed up for the baptism this next week. Also, if you want to take communion today, it's available for you every week. And if you would like prayer, instead of walking that way, come this way, and we'll have a group of pastors and other people up here to pray with you. God bless you guys. I hope today the church just totally overpowers the world wherever you go. Love you. God bless you. Hope to see you next week.